1: I'm excited to bring the word of the Lord to you today. We're gonna do a bit of a Bible study today. We're gonna do an entire book. Are you ready for an entire book? Okay, we're gonna do the book of Ezra. He's a famous church builder. Very fitting for vision builders month. So Ezra was a priest and we're gonna pick up his story when a remnant has just come out of Babylon and they're going about the work of building God's temple. And in the first two chapters, it starts with saying that the words of the prophet Jeremiah would come to pass. And so this is, this is very much a prophetic book, and it's also practical because it talks about the rebuilding of the temple. And chapter number two lists all the people who came out of Babylon, the remnant that would build the house of God. It's always a remnant, isn't it? Yes. Oh, we, we wish everybody would be involved, don't we, Alana? But however, usually it's a remnant. And uh, that's what we we are here on on God's earth. We're ambassadors of heaven. And like Ezra, we too have been called to partner with Jesus who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. We've been called to partner with him in building the church of God, the family of God in our generation. So I want to take this entire book, which is only 10, Ten chapters, and I wanna I wanna break it up into four scenes. So I'll give you the four scenes now, just in case, like Pastor Yerge and I don't get through them all. <laughs> so the first one is the picture, and the picture is going to be about what what a healthy society looks like. The second one is the problem, because with every good picture, there's a problem, there's an opposer. Then the prophet, when things get problematic, God sends the prophet and he sets everybody straight. And then finally, the proclamation. Okay, so you got it? We have the picture, we have the problem, we have the prophet, and we have the proclamation. So I'm gonna break this one book down into four parts today. And I think you're gonna see this next chapter of our church's life and also why our church has vision builders and why we're so passionate about building the house of God in our generation. So I'm gonna start by reading from Ezra chapter number three. We're gonna start at verse 10. When the builders laid the foundations of the temple of the Lord, so this is now Ezra the priest and the builders are Zerubbabel and Joshua, not the Joshua you're thinking of, a different Joshua. They're they're starting the building of the house of God, and it's a glorious moment. The priests in their vestments with their trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, the king of Israel. They're still talking about David. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. All right, okay, you get like maybe a four out of 10. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. All right, nailed it. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others, in some translations say, and the young shouted for joy. So the older, let's say my generation, the adults in the room were weeping over the sacredness, and the, and they were sobered by the realness and the majesty of this occasion. And the young people were shouting for joy, as young people should do. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise. Somebody say, sounds like awake in Church. <laughs> and the sound was heard far away. So what was happening in the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem could not go unnoticed. Everybody was leaning in. Oh my gosh, what is happening over there? But here's what I wanna zero in on this specific point and this passage under what the picture looks like. To start with, they were unified, young and old, generations working together to build the house of the Lord. But but I want to focus in on the responses of the two different age groups. The older were weeping, and they were weeping because they understood the sacredness of this moment. Why? Because they bore the motherload, the lion's share of responsibility. And the young people were shouting for joy, as young people should do. And they're like, yes, let's build the temple. What's a temple?
0: <laughs>
1: right, because they'd never known what a temple was. So, so this is what it should look like. The adults bearing the weight of responsibility of the building of the house, which, le- which leads to the health of the community and the culture and the young people having great fun joining in. So the old people were weeping, a godly weeping, a godly morning, not a depressive, anxious morning. And the young people were shouting for joy. You know when a society has been inverted, when the cost of my pleasure as an adult comes at the weeping of the next generation. The, the, when we build the church, the right generation has the correct godly response. We know that maybe there's some shifting that needs to happen and a remnant needs to rise up to rise and build the house of God when the children are weeping at the, at the expense of the adults living their pleasure. And and we're seeing it in Target, aren't we? We're seeing it right now in Target as they're trying to indoctrinate and infiltrate a generation of young people putting a burden on their shoulders that they should not have to carry. Let's put your newborn in in a pride onesie. Let's send your kids off to school with a drink bottle with, you know, all kinds of demonic indoctrination on it. Jürgen and I were uh, having lunch the other day, and outside the window of the restaurant we were at was a kid's playground. Three, four years old, like, living their best life. Squeals of joy, the boys climbing things they shouldn't climb, the girls making little daisy chains and whispering (laughs) secrets to each other and skipping. It was exactly what life should be. And yet in our public school system, because we've elevated the pleasure and preference of an adult over the joy of our children. These kids are now being sent to public schools where they're being taught things that they should never have to hear as young people because we've inverted the system. So the children weep and the adults cry out with, well, it's not joy, some kind of perverse pleasure because they put their needs and preferences above above fighting for this next generation. Let me tell you right now, what we do in here, which is valuable and important, is all about what is happening out there. Never think for a second that those kids in Kids Church are just out there being babysat and doing meaningless craft. We are making it so they are nurtured, they are protected so our children can cry out with shouts of joy where we understand the weight and the sacredness of the responsibility that God has put. We are the adults in the room. We don't sacrifice our children for our preferences. We bear the weight of responsibility in our generation. I was driving through, slowly, uh, a parking lot, (laughs) a a parking lot just recently, and uh, this young teenage boy stepped out in front of me because he wasn't looking, he had earbuds in his ears, his head was down. He looked very much like he had been affected with just everything that is out there troubling the young people in society today. And with one look, as we exchanged a glance, I felt like he encapsulated everything that is wrong with the inversion of our world. And he looked at me with, with eyes of like sadness. There was no light in his eyes, almost willing me Unsilently, just hit me, just hit me. My wife, my life isn't worth living. And and I, I just started to pray for him and intercede because I saw the damage of an inversion of society where our young people are forced to pay the price for the pleasure of adults. This is an inversion, my friends. This is the right picture. Picture here, when the older generation are carrying the burden of responsibility in society and not rolling that onto their kids. I mean, when I grew up, I had an appropriate amount of uh, burden and problems that a kid should have. Like, it's not that they they get to avoid any level of responsibility, but it should be equal to their, their age group. So my biggest problems as a kid were... Uh, Gosh, at 14, what was my biggest problem? Surviving the power-hungry McDonald's manager. My first part-time job, I was McDonald's drive-through. And I don't know what happens when you put a manager badge on the chest of an 18-year-old man. But he becomes someone he is not. And made my life a living hell. And I remember one day, I'm like, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm almost 15. I'm walking home. I am not going to put up with this. And I walked home, right? My mum drove me back. She said, Leanne, you're going to understand a thing or two. There are jerks in this world and you don't get to toss out your responsibility because of their bad behaviour. I had to do the walk of shame back into McDonald's. And I think he was just so shocked by the fact my mother was driving me back and maybe a little bit guilty for his behaviour that he just let me go back to... <laughs> taking people's orders. But but th- these were my problems. I had to survive the mean girls, not becoming one, and also not being overwhelmed by them. I had like these are all like appropriate childhood problems. But when we look at the magnitude of the issues and the problems our children are facing today. My friends, it's because there's been an inversion in society. And so the children are weeping because the adults in the room, not you guys, but many of them out there, have made their pleasure preeminent. Here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Now listen listen to me. I need to just round this out for you. I'm not talking about walking around being depressed, looking like you've been baptized in vinegar and lost your last friend and everything's so serious. Like you can simultaneously bear the burden of the responsibility that the Lord has put on your shoulders while still maintaining the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I need that joy and I need that strength because of the burden I carry as an adult in society. But the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. And aren't we seeing? foolishness play out in our world because there are too many adults that have elevated their pleasure above their responsibility for carrying the burdens that the young people should not have to bear on their shoulders. And in many ways, I feel like we're coming out of an era where the enemy, our enemy, the devil, worked really hard to hypnotize the church. It's like he gave the church laughing gas, And we moved ourselves out of government. We moved ourselves out of being the influencers in society. We just, we'll just prophesy over each other and sing Kumbaya and listen, they're good things, but it's not the ultimate thing. You and I, as the adults in the room, are meant to carry the burden of society. We need to make it so our children don't lose their smile in their childhood years and their problems are relative to their age because you and I are carrying the burden. That, that is the picture. And it was a picture that was so profound that it was able to be heard miles away. The Bible says that the sound was heard far away. When the church is functioning in its rightful place, when men and women of God, the sons and daughters of God, make it their responsibility to rebuild the temple, it it can't go unnoticed. Something shifts. And Pastor Juergen and I moved here to San Diego, this was not a, oh gosh, it'd be great to go to San Diego as a stepping stone to our worldwide ministry. No, God God was saying, I want you to change the spiritual climate of a city. Uh, you, you, you're coming to, to sow your life into a city and a nation. This isn't a stepping stone. This is the Metasius final frontier. <laughs> This is where they'll bury me. When I came, I said, God, when I come to San Diego, I'm giving San Diego my whole heart. Seven years in New Zealand and seven years in Australia were preparation for this work of a lifetime. And we're we're determined that we will change San Diego for the better. It will be like heaven on earth. San Diego, a city for Christ where the adults weep in all the right ways and the children, the young people give shouts of joy. This is what a healthy society looks like. So that's that's the first scene, the picture, the picture, beautiful, beautiful, but then ah, the problem. Because with every healthy picture, there's always an opposer, there's an accuser. Listen, read the end of the book, Revelation 12, 12, right in the end woe to you earth and sea for the devil has come down to you and he is full of fury he's going to stir up some trouble he's going to oppose you because he knows his time is short does he win no his his final decimation will come at the second coming The Bible says that he will be destroyed with just a breath from from God's mouth. However, he's still out there wreaking havoc. He's the sorest loser ever known to man. So every time you put your hand to the work of God, whether it be building God's house or building your house, you will be opposed. Now, should we welcome it? No. But should we expect it? Yes, we should. You know, we've got this wonderful Awaken Academy. We've got that incredible... Uh, kids' church out there that is training up our children in the ways of God. And definitely, godly parenting will make you far less vulnerable, will make your children far less vulnerable. Never lose that. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. However, it won't make you invulnerable. You will still have to come against the enemy as he opposes the building of God's house and the building of your family. And that's why Peter said, I believe, he said, uh, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes to test you. Because, you know, here's the honest truth. We do get surprised, myself included. (gasps) Oh, what? How dare they? But here I am building God's house and I'm building godly kids and I feel like I'm doing mostly everything right and there's still an opposer. Yes. But when the opposer comes, don't just lie down and let him take whatever he wants. Resist him, persevere, and you will see the promises of God come to pass in your life. So that's what happened. The opposer came when Ezra and Joshua and Zerubbabel were rebuilding the temple. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Bible tells us in Ezra chapter 4, because they'd been commissioned, they were having a party, they were celebrating, the work had begun, and then all of a sudden, Look what happens in Ezra 4, verse 4. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. That's how the devil works. He wants to put fear in you. He wants to intimidate you. God's given you a plan, a plan for your family, a plan for your future. But there's an opposer who's full of fury because he knows his time is short. Don't give in to him. All he's got is threats and intimidation. And then they bribed officials. Sounds like what's happening in Coronado. <laughs> they bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire, entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. And then it goes on to say that these, these same scoundrel, scoundrels, these same opposers wrote a letter to the king and said, oh, the king should know. This is Ezra four twelve that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and they're rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. Fake news. That's all the devil's got, some fake news. Sadly, there are people out there who believe it. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes. Now that he's got the king's attention. What? Money? Ding. No more taxes, tribute or duty will be paid and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we're under obligation to the palace and it is not proper for us to see the king dishonoured, we are sending this message to inform the king. But wouldn't we think if we're doing God's work, building God's business, building God's house, building a family for God that we wouldn't be opposed? Surely we get a clean run, Lord. No. My parents had five kids, five daughters. All of them, to this day, serving God, love the Lord, but they have, they have struggled. Like, there has been an opposer that they have had to stand against. I have four children. Pray for me. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful kids. God has given me a scripture for all my children. Now, he didn't just drop it in my lap. I was walking one day and all of a sudden, four individually crafted scriptures just landed. I sought for them. Do you know why I sought for them? Because I had to. Because there's an opposer. God gave me a word. So when the devil comes against your family, whatever that may look like, or if your single person comes against you, don't give up and don't give in. Persevere. Persevere through the opposition. God is gonna bring you through, my friends. So just like we persevere, we've persevered in every building project we've had as Awakened Church. There's been an opposer. There's been a pot stirrer. There's been a troublemaker. But you know what we don't do? Put our tools down and say, "Well, I guess it mustn't be God's will." We persevere. We're pushing through. We're pushing through. We're pushing through and maybe right now you got a prodigal in your family fear not fret not don't give up don't give in push through persevere 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 the problem will only become will only take you out if you let it keep pushing keep persevering for 10 years i had to pray for one of my children who was caught in rebellion my parents the same I had the best parents in the world. Honestly, I would have to really struggle to find anything negative to say about my mum and dad. I had a wonderful mum and dad. But they still had a couple of rebellious kids. How the heck did that happen? There's an opposer. Don't give in when the opposer opposes. Push through, push through. Here's what Paul said when he was building the church in the New Testament. See, it's just, you know, it's the same story, different generation. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9. A great door for effective work has opened to me. You could call that marriage. You could call that parenting. You could call that a business. You could call that building the house of the Lord, which we all should be involved in. A great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. Opposition is part of life, but it need not take you out, my friends. Understand that there are saints that have gone before us who have persevered and seen the promise of God come to pass in their life. Amen, Leanne. I like it. I really, really like it. It's great. I mean, look, like I said, you don't welcome problems, but when you wake up every day with the knowledge that God is with you... There's no problem that you face that you cannot overcome. And maybe I've become like a little bit of a, just because I've been around for so long, I feel like the female version of Methuselah, even though I'm only 48, I feel like I've seen it all. Right? I've just seen it all, because I've been in ministry for such a long time that I've, I've almost become like a little, like uh, like a warrior. Like pain almost feels good, like, oh, you come on, Deb. oh. Hit me, baby, one more time. Ah. You know those movies where they get slapped and they're like, ah, right? That's how I feel when I wake up. Oh, another problem? Oh, you can't beat a persistent man or woman of God who is committed in prayer to the promises of God. How are you being opposed today, friend? God is with you. Persevere, persevere, persevere. Let's face all of it. And do I need to say to you today, if shame has come on your life because of something you're facing and you see the opposition as an indictment against your character, I must have done something wrong. Yeah, you probably did because you're human. Yeah, right. We all do stuff that isn't perfect. My God, if God only worked within the lives of the perfect... what do you think mercy is for? And why do you think he bakes a fresh batch of it for us every morning? My mercy will be new every morning. It's like he knew we'd need it. Oh, I'm not perfect. Yes, of course. That's why God says, I'm giving you my mercy. I'm giving you my presence. I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just don't give up, friends. Don't give up. I have a little more time in this service. I uh, I was going through Instagram, which can be, you know, it's really a horrid place mostly, isn't it? Unless you're getting recipe ideas. <laughs> uh, or looking at dog memes, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, dogs and food. If you're on there for that, you're good. Um, and a, a mother had posted a photo of, of like, just kind of lamenting the change in her daughter's life. So beautiful little girl who grew up in church and all the things and she did her best and this little girl went to, to college and she lamented and she said, oh my gosh, two years at college taught my daughter to hate everything. Yeah. And she, she looked completely different. So the little girl that was sent looked completely different to the, to the girl that had come home. And I was really sad to see a comment... On the, on the thread, the comments are always the most revealing. And this man came back and said, it's not the college's fault, you failed as a mom. And I thought, well, to start with, I'm gonna see if you have kids. So I get down that rabbit trail and I click on his thing and I'm like, yeah, and they're all young and easy contro- easily controllable, easy for you to say, you know? And, and I just felt to pray for this woman with the slime that had been thrown at her you know, we can, we can do the best job as parents, and godly parenting will make you definitely less vulnerable, yeah. but it doesn't make you invulnerable. Yeah. And in those moments where you, you're being opposed yeah. and everything you taught your kids is being opposed and you're hitting up against one of those rebellious kids, persevere. Yeah. Push through. Yeah. Don't let the opposer take you out. Yeah. Like, you, you've, God's given you a spiritual spine of steel and he's with you. And that's why he said, lo, this was his last words, lo, I will be with you, even to the end of the age. Yes. Why, because we need him. Yes. Yeah. We need him and he's here for you. Ah, that's enough about the problem, but here's the sad <laughs> thing. These, these, these people, the church builders, because of the opposition, they stopped working. They gave in for 20 years their tools were collecting dust. Wow. The sawmill in the corner was covered in dust. The hammers were covered in dust. The nails had gotten rusty. And instead, they put all their attention on building their own house. They were down at Home Depot every weekend, putting an extension on an extension on an extension, <laughs> putting, up, putting in a pool and then a cabana. And Now listen, God, God wants you to have all those things. Yeah. But, but not at the expense of the building of his house because our house suffers when we don't build God's house. And so, so they put their tools down and now we come to scene number three, the prophet, da-da-da. Somebody, da-da-da, right, here comes the prophet. And the prophet comes in and the prophet brings the word of the Lord and they just drop it like it's hot. They drop the mic and then, then they just go back up the mountain. So here's what happens. Okay, so the work stopped. It's a lazy day in Jerusalem. The temple is not being built. It's a travesty. And as a result, things are starting to crumble because the health of God's house determines the health of. The society. Okay, so the prophet has to come in and tell him what time it is. And here's what the prophet prophesied. His name was Haggai, and he said in verse number one, starting in verse one In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And I reckon he had some on it when he said it. There was some foot stomping and some pointing. (laughs) These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. It's difficult. There's some opposition. I'm being opposed. Then the word of the Lord came to them through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down tim- timber and build my house. Wow, that's quite bold of you, Lord. Quite bold, asking the people to build your house, and yet he does it all the same. And build it so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, all your efforts to make your house so extra while neglecting mine turned out to be little. Your house is dated again. It's that seven-year cycle. You gotta redo it all over again and your wife's still not happy. (laughs) What you bought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house. What is God doing here? He's not throwing a tantrum. He's teaching his children a lesson. The blessing on your house, its prosperity, its peace, the provision that you see there, its ability to to be fruitful in, in any season is directly correlated to the health and the prosperity of my house. And you've neglected my house while pouring all your time, your talent and your treasure into your own. Nothing wrong with wanting a great house, building a great house, but it should never come at the expense of building God's house because the health of God's house will determine the health of our house and the health of the community. So then something awesome happened, and this doesn't happen all the time. The people listened, <laughs> they actually did what God was saying, even when it was difficult. Even when it came at personal cost, even when it hurt their feelings, and how dare you, this is America, the land of independence and freedom. I will do as I wilt. God comes to them all the same. And he says to them, your house is ruined because you haven't prioritized mine. In Ezra 5.2, it says, Then Zerubbabel and Joshua set to work to rebuild the house of God, and the prophets, the word of the Lord, was with them. Amazing. When you persevere through the problem, God will always set a prophetic word. He will always set a word in front of you that will dislodge you out of your dysfunction, dislodge you out of your comfort zone and position you for a bright and glorious future. And then the fourth scene, proclamation. Amazing. So they saw the picture, beautiful, the young and old, the men and women unified, carrying the appropriate burden for their age, the picture. And and, it, and it, the whole world paid attention to what was happening because of the health of this place. But then the opposer comes, and he will. But when you oppose the opposer, you'll always make it through. Persevere through the persecution. And then the word of the Lord comes and dislodges them out of their fear, out of their intimidation, out of their laissez-faire attitude and gets them to rise and build again and then the proclamation comes a new king king darius and these same opposers came back when they started when they picked their tools up after 20 years these same these same knuckleheads came back to say you better stop it we told you you couldn't do that and this time they didn't stop they didn't even put their, their hammer and nails down. They didn't even look at them. They're just like, um, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. And by the way, you go tell your king, Darius, to do some investigatory research about what God said about the building of this temple. And so they went back, oh, we will, and trust me, we'll be back with a cease and desist clause. Yeah. <laughs> And they go back and they start piping off to Darius, but they didn't know a different king with a different spirit. That's why it matters who we put into office, by the way. And so this king is like, what? I need to do some research? So he does some research. And he's overwhelmed with conviction and challenge from God. And he says to them, Continue to build your house. Continue. And not only that, so here's the proclamation. When they didn't quit, when they didn't stop, when they persevered through the problem, then King Darius, this new ruler, says, and not only that, not only do I want you to continue to build the house, I'm going to pay for it. The government is going to pay for it. Every resource you need from gold to silver, from timber to metal workers, that's going to go on my account. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. And then he goes, and also, everything that Nebuchadnezzar during that dark season, when the person in power was wicked, and he took stuff from you, he overtaxed you, and he oppressed you, and he took things that weren't his to take, we're restoring all that too. Everything that you lost during the dark season is going to be restored to you. How does that apply to you today, my friends? Everything the devil stole during a dark season, when you persevere with God and you build his house, everything the devil stole through a dark season will be restored to you. But it didn't stop there. And then the king said, and everybody who works in the church, from the priest to the singers to anyone who puts their hand to service in the house of God is exempt from taxes. Oh, you can just imagine those scoundrels. Separation of church and state. Oh, look at them with their exempt status, yeah, na, 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 God said it first, God said it first, and you will find that you will live under an unmerited favor, it doesn't make sense, everybody else is, it's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog, All right, and you'll be like, yeah, I, I work hard, but it's amazing. As I've come into alignment with the Word of God and I build the house of God, my money's working for me. Instead of putting it in a purse with holes and having the wind blow it away, I'm tithing, I'm giving, I'm contributing to vision builders, but I I increase all the more. The proclamation over your life is increase and blessing and prosperity. As you pour into God's house and build God's house, He'll build yours. The title of my message at the end of my message is The House That Builds You. Yeah. The House That Builds You. But then, it didn't stop there. So that's three, right? So they're restoring everything that was stolen. They're not having to pay taxes. Thank God. In California, that's a big deal. And um, the, the government is funding the work of the church. Amazing. And then the final frontier he said, and Ezra, the priest, I wanna make it your responsibility. You get to decide who the lawmakers are. You get to decide who the judges over the people will be. You get to determine what the legislation will be over this area, because why would I want the hand of the Lord against me? Oh my gosh, are you hearing this? That's why you gotta read your Bible. There's- it's a tale as old as time that is more relevant than today's newspaper. This is a message for you. When you put your hand to the building of God's house, God builds your house. And he taught them a valuable lesson when they were prioritised and fixated only on their own piece of terra fama. So long as my family's okay, so long as, I don't i spend my Sundays at sports. Eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. I'm just going to tell you that right now. This is the house that builds your house. It's not lost on me that one of the most famous Psalms written by King David at the very, very end of the Psalms was this one, Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the house of God, is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. Wow. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because he knew that the church was the last defense. If the church in America falls, America falls. If the church in America is strong, America will stay strong. If the church in San Diego is strong, your family will be strong. community will be blessed we won't have an inversion where the kids are weeping at the expense of the adult pleasure instead we will have the right picture all the tribes of Israel the Lord's people make their pilgrimage here everybody's hearing about this the church in San Diego is changing lives look at their families we have we have a bit of a bubble here in San Diego and I love it that somebody would leave another part of California to come to this part it says something awesome about the churches in our city. We're making a difference. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. Pray for your church. Pray for your city. May all who love this city prosper. O oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. Why? Listen to it for the sake of my family and friends. The health of our family and our friends is inextricably connected to the health of God's house in every city. We've got a woke church, we've got a woke city. We got a beat down neglected church, we got a beat down neglected city. And you and I have a responsibility like Ezra and Joshua and Zerubbabel to build the house of God in our lifetime and you don't get a pass and you don't get to be disqualified and it doesn't matter if you walk out of church because what I'm saying is offending you, that principle is still in play. So we're in Vision Builders Month. What is God speaking to you? There will be no manipulation, there will be no one telling you, you must, you must. What is God saying to you? God's gonna give you, how do I use my time, my talent and my treasure? Stand to your feet, amen. In the times that israel was destroyed in the old testament it was always an inside job it always started them with neglecting the work of the lord neglecting the the priestly duties neglecting the temple neglecting being obedient to what the law of the lord said and then all of a sudden things got destroyed it's like well of course of course but when we honor god when we build God's house, when we trust Him, when we persevere through opposition, my gosh, we are setting ourselves up for a future of hope and health and, you know, just the best testimonies. You know, I think about all the testimonies that have come out of this church as people have risen and built like Ezra and his friends and it it blows my mind. There are truly not even books that could contain all the miracles. Let me end with this testimony from my own mother who was born with a very severe heart defect. And she, she got miraculously healed as a young woman. She came from a mainland church that didn't believe in healing, but then she just decided, well, I'm gonna read my, the Bible for myself. I'm gonna figure out what God is saying because I don't wanna die. They gave her a, 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 a um, kind of like a, a terminal diagnosis, said you need to prepare to leave your five daughters alone because you're gonna die. Your mother died at 42, you'll be lucky to make it to the age that she died. So she believed God and stood in faith and got miraculously healed. But how many people know that even when you're, you know, going for God, there's an opposer and he might come back with like a a sneak attack. I got a phone call in Hawaii maybe six years ago when I was on vacation with my family. My mom had suffered from a freak embolism in her brain. And like, Honestly, she should have died. And, like, she's like a walking miracle. But just yesterday she called me because they said to her, listen, you've had this embolism, this brain... aneurysm, excuse me, and you'll never quite get your cognitive ability back. Like, you know, you'll always be foggy, cloudy, you'll always have, you know, this or that, and they had to put a coil in her head and all these things. And she just recently went back to her neurologist And her neurologist said, I I can't believe what I'm telling you. I have never, ever in my life given anybody the report that I'm I'm about to give you. Now, remember, she's an almost 80-year-old woman. He said to her, you have the most beautiful brain I've ever seen. There is zero, zero evidence that there was ever any injury. And he goes, I don't need you to come see me again, go out and live your best life. He goes, go live your life, go out celebrating Valerie. She's like, I will. He goes, you don't need to come back here unless you want to. And she goes, well, I don't want you to take it personally, but I probably won't be back. I'm telling you today, when you persevere through the opposition, you receive a word from God that the world didn't give any time, take it away. And then a proclamation over your life is faith, victory. All your children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Amen, give God a shout of praise. The rebuilding of the temple is the rebuilding of you. The rebuilding of the house of God is the rebuilding of your house. In this moment, in this era, don't let it pass you by don't let fear or greed or selfishness or pride stop you look to the Lord what is he telling you to do and if you're here today and you'd like prayer we'd love yes. to pray for you and any if anything I said just triggered something you're like I, yeah. I need someone to pray for me yeah. we want to pray for you if you've never given your heart to the Lord I have friends over here at the response lounge we want to lead you in a prayer and invite you into the family of God yes. yeah. but we love you church we'll see you Wednesday night at church